0: Thank you guys for joining us. Recording in progress. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Chris Tristan. And uh, we have on the phone, Mr. Paul Saldana of Habla y Vota, our very, very, very special political correspondent. How are you, Paul? ¿Qué pasó? ¿Cómo I'm doing good, man. How are you? You know, I'm doing great. And, uh, you know, we have a very, very special guest on the phone. Why don't you introduce our special guest?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I'm super excited about bringing back our special guest, someone that I'm honored to call a friend. He's joined us here in Hot the Handle before and certainly been a guest on our Abla Ibota show. He's an amazing leader. He's an advocate. He's the former mayor of Austin. He's a former state senator. He's a former dean of the Hobby School for Public Affairs at the University of Houston. It's Kirk Watson. Let's bring him back in. So as Kirk's joining us here real quickly, let me just say I've had to. Opportunity and privilege of working with Kirk over the last 25 years in various capacities. And of course, most of those times during my tenure with uh, our beloved Mayor Gus Garcia when I served as his chief of staff. And as I was, uh, as we've talked about before, Kirk has spent decades making real progress in this community. And so we're real happy to to welcome
2: uh, Kirk Watson back. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. And, And I always love when we get the chance, you and I get the chance to be together and reminisce about, Uh, Mayor Gus Garcia, who was, you know, he was a mentor to both of us. Absolutely. So uh, thank you all for having me, Chris. Thank you for uh, letting me be on the
0: show. Hey, of course, uh, Kirk, we're, you know, uh, we are very, very uh, happy that you're you're here on with us today. And, you know, we wish you the very best of luck, man. You're in a runoff.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the recap. So just, you know, just to remind everybody, we had a little election last week where we had an opportunity to uh, elect uh, all kinds of local elected officials, certainly on the state level. But bringing it back to the local level, just as a reminder, we had, um, uh, we had probably, let's see, six positions up on the city council. We had, of course, the mayor, and we'll get into that in just a second. We had District 1, District 3, our good friend Jose Velasquez in District 3, and District 5, 8, and 9. And so the voter, the voter turnout here in Austin Travis County was about 52%. Uh, Could have been better. Uh, but just as a reminder, to win the election as an, um, in the Austin City Council races, candidates have to secure 50% plus one in order to win the election. And I want to say we had somewhere between 38 or 39 candidates running in these various uh, positions. And uh, back to the mayor's race, since no one candidate received the majority of votes, we're in a runoff. And so Kirk uh, proudly got 35% of the vote. Uh, and come December thirteenth, Austinites uh, will have an opportunity to participate once again uh, in voting for the mayor, voting for District Three, voting for uh, District Five, and District Nine. Uh, and so, and let's let's just
2: jump jump r- right into it. Kirk, is that right? So you got to get fifty percent plus one vote. Yeah. Is that is that fifty percent plus one? And of course, uh, this isn't unexpected that we would be in a runoff, right? Uh, They're started in the mayor's race Uh, right after the filing deadline. uh, There were seven people in the race, so one dropped out early. That left six people. So, you know, when you do the math on dividing, dividing up the votes with six people, uh, we're we're not, uh, we weren't surprised. And, um, you know, frankly, it, it gives us another five weeks to talk to voters for me to hear what they're saying and listen to them. Uh, and, and put me in a position to, to be able to meet their needs when I'm elected mayor. Absolutely. Um, and we were talking
1: about, it, and we've talked about this before, you know, Kirk has been very successful in getting things done here in Texas, creating transformative change that really has helped Austinites. He does it by bringing people together, building coalitions to improve services for our community and every part of Austin. And certainly, he's been a good friend and ally. To our Latino community, and I, I kind of want to start with that because I think that's really important good. to say that you've been very supportive, and you have a proven track record of appointing Latinos, in particular Latinas and in, women, into leadership positions. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. Your your proven allyship with our Latino community. Yeah,
2: I, I, I love doing that. Of course, it was, I'll start by saying that that back when I was mayor. Um, we, we always were trying to make sure that we put equity first. Yes. You know, the, the, I, I'll be honest with you, Paul. You, you know this about me, but uh, I'm a cancer survivor. And as a young man, I, I, I've got cancer. It was metastatic cancer. I had a bunch of surgeries and chemotherapy. And one of the things that happened out of that is I realized, you know, we don't have a lot of time sometimes. And so mm-hmm. if we want to make change, if we're going to bring about help for people, we have to, we have to act with urgency and some immediacy. And mm-hmm. the way I have always tried to lead, and particularly by focusing on things like equity and making sure yep. that there's clear opportunity, is you don't wait till the end of the program to then say, oh, we need to have equity. We need to do that. Do it this way. You always start there. And uh, I appreciate you bringing that up because that has been the way I've always tried to approach things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the issues
1: uh, around equity, um, you know, obviously equity also means uh, economic opportunities. And and I have to say, and and those of us who are, who are regular fixtures, either at Joe's Bakery, One in a Millions or, or Estrada's Cleaners, all on East 7th Street and Cesar Chavez, uh, uh, I'm sure that uh, most of us have had an opportunity uh, over the years to run into you either at Joe's Bakery or, or at Juan's or over at Estrada's uh, Cleaners. And, and I know I, I, I bring about or raise those businesses because I know that one of the priorities for you, Kirk, is certainly making sure from an equity lens perspective and from an economic uh, um, opportunity perspective, that local small businesses are thriving. So let's talk a little bit about that, Mayor.
2: Yeah, well, first of all, I want to say how uh, pleased I am because those businesses you just mentioned know my commitment. the, The people that run and own those businesses have endorsed me in this race for mayor because they know I truly believe in helping small businesses and creating more business opportunity. But, you know, another way of, of, of another thing we ought to focus on when we talk about economic opportunity is that the, we have the minority business enterprises and women business enterprises program at the city of Austin. And, and of course, you and I worked on that specifically back when I was mayor. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I've got a, a proven track record when it comes to uh, that program. And, and, for, and for the listeners that don't know about that program, what it, what it is, is it's a program at the city of Austin that encourages minority and women-owned businesses per, to participate in these very lucrative city contracts, the tax dollars that pay for a lot of big contracts. Right. And so what happens is the, the when it's operating the way we want it to operate, what what happens is you set special goals, that you want to make sure uh, that that the right number of people are getting the opportunity, minority-owned businesses, women-owned businesses. And of course, you know, it depends, it changes up based upon the contract, but also on the availability of the minority-owned business. Um, And from my perspective, that is something that we have to do two things to make sure we get right. Yes. One is we always have to do study a study to make sure that we're, we're sure we're looking at whether there are disparities mm-hmm. in already owned businesses getting those kinds of contracts and being able to make money now in 2022 they did that but one of the things i fear paul is that when you have a program like this and it works well so you're getting you're you're, you're getting what you hope for which is more uh, more minority owned businesses getting these contracts that you don't then just say, Oh good. There's no discrimination out there because, because, you know, even though your program might be successful and and there's a good effort to get things done, there's still discrimination and we, we can't let the program become a victim. We can't be a victim of our own success. Absolutely, We, We have to study those disparity studies to make sure that we go even further.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and I think it's important to note that here in Austin, Texas, we have almost sixty thousand Latina-owned businesses, and we've already talked about uh, three of them uh, right now. And it's because I think of programs like this, and, and Kirk, under your leadership, and you've been very supportive. I know this was something that was particularly important to Gus, and and I know that uh, uh, throughout the, y'all's tenure on the council, you all were advocates and champions. And I know when you moved over to the to the state legislature, legislature as a state senator. Uh, You also were a strong advocate for the hub program with the state of Texas as well.
2: That's exactly right. Yeah, that, that, you know, we had, in order to make, again, go back to what I was saying before, to put equity first, uh, to think about it on the front end, you have to, you have to make a good effort at it. You have to have clear goals and you have to, you have to recruit hard to make sure things work the right way. And you, and you've got to enforce and make sure it's being followed through. And that was one of the, the things that I, I did at the, in, when I was in the state Senate for so many years, was made sure that the state, uh, I pushed them all the time on making sure that uh, historically underutilized businesses were better utilized.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know we want to talk about real quickly about affordability and transportation, but yeah. I would be remiss if I didn't mention for our listeners, and Chris, you and I have talked about you and I talk about this all the time, and we've talked about it before. I think it's real important. Is that uh, Kirk? You have been supported from day one in supporting our Mexican American Cultural Center and our yeah. Mex- Mexican Arte Museum bond items. We were fortunate in 1998 during your leadership uh, on the City Council. To get the initial phase one of the MAC approved by the voters and then again because we were successful in that we came back in 2018 and improved additional dollars for phase two and then of course over the years in 2006 we did a bond package for Mechicata Museum and did another one in 2018. Those are very important projects to our Mexican-American Latino community and you've been with us uh, through, throughout uh, these years Some very supportive yeah, of this
2: project. I will we're tell you I'm, I'm very proud of that. Um, I'm very proud that when I was mayor, since you mentioned metricarte uh, and you mentioned uh, the MAC, like you say, uh, we went forward with the phase one bonds, and I went out there and campaigned hard uh, in different parts of the city to make sure that we got that passed. And I'm real proud of where, uh, how that worked out, although we now need to make sure we keep all of our promises
1: as yes. it comes
2: to the MAC. And then I remember with Mechicarte, of course, that was during the period of time that we talked about how we were going to make sure it survived and got to stay right there where it is. Yes. And I was, uh, again, I was real proud as mayor to, to be involved in that. In fact, I, I even remember we'd gone to um, uh, our sister city uh, Mm -hmm. in, 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 in Mexico. Sotillo. Yep. Yes. Sotillo. And, and, um, uh, Gus was there, and Gus accused me of running for mayor of Saltillo, too, because I was shaking all my hands <laughs> in the closet. But, uh, yeah, I remember he made fun of me the whole time I was there. Uh, but uh, but I went with Sylvia Orozco, who, you know, is the director of Carte. We went to yep. Monterrey because she wanted me to see uh, a museum there because it was informing how she wanted to do some things with Carte. So I'm real proud that that all worked out the way it did, and, and when I, I've, I've proven I'll, I, I can get results in that regard, and when I'm mayor this next time, we're going to work together some more on that.
1: I, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, one of the things that I know that's near and dear, and certainly a priority to working families here in Austin, Texas, are issues centered around affordability. And let, let's take a, a minute or two to talk a little bit about that. Your vision uh, as the next mayor. Or issues centered around affordability, what what are going to be among your priorities to address that issue?
2: Well, let me start by, and you'll remember this, when, when I was mayor the first time, you'll remember that we, we created some of the first affordability programs. The, the, the yeah. Affordability Housing Trust Fund uh, was created during that period of time, the Smart Housing Program, my challenge fund uh, to help uh, people get capital so they can make improvements on their houses. But there's, there's a couple of ways to look at where we are right now. There's a cost of living emergency going on in Austin. And, yes. and, and, and it, it, the way I segment it is there's three things. One is housing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We have to do better when it comes to housing. Yeah. And, and that's going to require a whole lot of things. But we need to have a mayor that has proven they can get things done on th- that things that big. Yeah. But there are two other things that I think we all think about that we don't always get to talk about when we talk about affordability and cost of living, and that that is how we get better child care for yes. everybody in this community. Absolutely, there are a lot. There are a lot of of people that can't afford child care, and it makes a difference on the jobs they are able to take. the the wages that they get to make, and, of course, how much it costs. Typically, typically, child care is the second largest cost in most households. Absolutely. And then the third thing I want to do when I'm married, so I want us to become the best city in America to raise a kid. Yes. Good, Good child care everywhere. And then the last thing I'll mention on affordability is I want to have a focus on jobs. Yeah not just how many jobs we create which is kind of the way uh, people people talk about it right I, I want to get our young people and 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 people of color into those jobs yeah
1: yeah absolutely absolutely. Well, I want to talk about transportation. We we were we were joking about transportation early, and it's and I know that's always front and center in the minds of of Austinites. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about transportation. And one thing that's certainly getting a lot of attention right now is, is the the Project Connect issue. But let's talk about some of your transportation priorities.
2: Well, look, that's the perennial problem in Austin, mm-hmm. isn't it? Um, it's it's one that we, we've always had to deal with, at least as long as I've been. Uh, doing this kind of stuff because we grow so fast yes. and, and we, that puts so much burden. So, so what we have to do is we have to focus on improvements that get us the biggest bang for our buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Paul, you know this, there's about $25 billion of money that's currently set aside for different transportation projects.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, now, part of that's the airport that, that, that's, you know, not people stuck in cars, part right. of it's the airport, part of it's Project Connect, part of it's money is allocated to I-35. Yes, but, a lot, but, but what we have to do is make sure that we're spending that money in an open and transparent way and go back to the word I've been using here, an equitable way. We can't, we can't just be making transportation improvements in one part of the city. You mentioned affordability. Yeah. Transportation's a big part of that. Absolutely. If you can't can't get around um, and you're sitting in your car, you're killing time and time is money, as they say.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I know that you've been active on the I-35 issue and and we all know the history uh, here in Austin. I-35 has certainly been that concrete barrier that has separated East and West. And I think there's an opportunity for us to finally create some synergy and get rid of the the concrete barrier and finally connect east and west the way I know that uh, all of us would like to see happen?
2: You know, it is a monument to racism. Yes. And, and you know, some of us have worked very hard to stop those kinds of monuments. Um, of course, you, you'll you remember uh, how we, we I, I was chair of the Texas Air Control Board, Ann Richards oh. had appointed me back yeah. in the day when we got the East Austin tank farm yes. shut down mm-hmm. and you'll re- and you'll remember the cuz you were you were with Gus and Gus and I worked to create the East Austin zoning overlay
1: yes sir so
2: that we we didn't have people's homes across the street or next door or even located on industrially zoned property well yes. let's go back i mean i35 is one of the vestiges of those kinds of things and it's time to try to improve that road.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well listen, I know that you've got a busy schedule. You've got another event that you need to go to and we know you've got a a busy schedule uh, running here. Uh, uh, I think it's important for, for us to also say because I've heard uh, you know, some folks are uh, referring to to your candidacy as being nostalgic. Uh, and I think it's important for, I'll say it, this is Paul Saldana speaking, and, and Chris, you can chime in. You know, you have a proven track record of getting things done. Yeah. Uh, and That's what it comes down to. And I think that's the reason why people are supporting you in our community. Kirk, if people want to learn more about your campaign, where should they go? They should go to KirkWatson.com. All right, all right, all right. Well, Tejanos, just a re- reminder, December 1st through the 9th is early voting, and December the 13th is Election Day. All of us are directly impacted by the decisions made by our local, state, and national elected officials. So, familia, we've got to demonstrate the power of our voices and our votes in the ballot box on Election Day. Remember, su voto es su voz. Let's give Kirk Watson a round of applause for joining Thank us again. You. Thank you. And, Kirk, when you become our mayor, we want you to come back and visit oh. us.
2: As often as you want me to, as, as much as you'll let me. Hey, Kirk, right. Kirk you know, our, our, you. Doors,
0: our doors are always open to you. And, you know, Paul is right. You've got a great track record. You've been our mayor before. And we are excited to have you here on uh, with us. Um, and, of course, uh, supporting our music, Jatejano, uh, Tejano Music. We greatly appreciate you. And we look forward to doing more great things with our next mayor, Kirk Watson. Uh,
1: Chris, all right. thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Paul, thank you. Chris, thank you for having me on. Y'all have a great evening, and all your listeners right. have a great evening. Thank you,
1: Eric. Chris, sending it back to you, brother. Thank
0: you, ladies and gentlemen. We are Hot Tejano D-Party Station. Blue Agave Travel proudly presents Tejano's in Paradise.